Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sarah Kwan Sarah Boone, or Bung as she was more fondly known by loved ones. Bung was a teenager from Thailand who had moved to the Melbourne suburb of Baronia in 2008 with her family. She was embracing the new culture and excelling at life. However, in June 2011, Bung would seemingly disappear into thin air, never to be seen alive again. Rumours of Bung being a victim of a Victorian-based serial killer would become a popular conversation on a true crime and unsolved mysteries forums. But ten years later, we are still no closer to discovering what happened to this bright and beloved girl. This is Bung's story. It's now five weeks since the 13-year-old schoolgirl known as Bung went missing in Melbourne's Outer East. Police believe she's been abducted and possibly murdered, but have no idea by whom. So how can a Year 7 student walking just a few blocks to school vanish without a trace? Sarah Korn Sarah Boone was born December 30th, 1997, in the northern eastern province of Thailand, to her mother Vendida, or Nid as she was known. Sarah Korn soon got a loving nickname, Bung a nickname she would have right up until her disappearance. Nid already had a seven-year-old daughter, Siraporn, or Pang as she was affectionately known as. Nid initially was worried that her daughters would not grow up to be close. Honestly, she did not need to doubt that for a second. Bang and Pang were each other's best friends. It was unusual to see one without the other. Sadly, Nid and the girl's father's relationship would break down while Bung was still a baby, with Nid receiving primary custody. Despite my extensive research, I cannot find any mention of Bung and Peng's father. It seems that after the divorce, he really wasn't in the girl's lives anymore. In 2004, while on holidays in Melbourne, Nid met an Australian man, Fred Patterson. The two immediately had a connection. Fred had ties to Thailand. He vacationed there regularly for more than a decade, and he had business associates in the country. He could speak fluent Thai, a major plus later when Fred met Nid's daughters, who only knew limited English. Regardless, Nid returned to Thailand, and her and Fred remained in constant contact. Their relationship grew, and Fred would move to Thailand to be with Nid and the girls in 2006. Fred fell in love with Bung and Pang too. They quickly saw him as a father figure, and would call him dad. Fred did not have any children of his own biologically, but he took his role in their lives seriously, and to him... They were his daughters. For a while, everything was perfect. Fred and Nid got married and the couple started their own business. 
Unfortunately, though, in 2008, this business went under, and with limited job opportunities in Thailand, Fred had no other option but to move his family back to Australia, so he could accept a job working as a fitter in a Cadbury factory. This move was never meant to be a permanent long-term plan. Fred and Nid thought they could make the best of the situation. Public schools in Australia are free to attend, and they are considered very good. There are no upfront costs to attend university in Australia. Students pay a portion of their income to repay their university debt once their annual salary reaches around 60000 per annum. Fred and Nid believed this opportunity of a great education would only benefit the girls in their future. And once they finished their schooling, the family could then move back to their beloved Thailand, where Fred and Nid could enjoy their retirement. Late 2008, 17-year-old Pang and 10-year-old Bung started their new lives in Baronia, Victoria. As I mentioned earlier, the girls knew little English, but nevertheless, they were excited to experience Australian culture and learn a new language. Baronia is a small suburb of Melbourne in southern Victoria. It is located in quite a beautiful area. It's nestled between the Dandenong Ranges to the west, and if you head north, you'll find even more national parks and mountain ranges. I can see the attraction for Fred and Nid to move their family here. And in the time period we are talking about, Baronia was considered a fairly safe area to live. It was middle class with a low crime rate. However, there was some drug problem starting to be seen, especially near the train station, and this was close to where the family lived. Fred and Nid bought a home on Elsie Street, which was only a short walk to Pang and Bung's schools, Baronia Primary for Bung and Baronia Heights College for Pang. Fred worked nights at the Cadbury factory and Nid found herself a part-time job to contribute to the family's finances. The family worked hard and created their new normal in Australia. They were just your happy suburban family, and that would be how things would remain for several years. June 2011. Bung is now 13 years old and in the seventh grade at Baronia Heights College. She excelled at school, in particular math. Her teachers would later describe Bung as polite and punctual, with an almost perfect attendance record. From all accounts, Bung loved school. She would actually be sad when it was school break, and she would look forward to the new school term commencing. Bung was shy with a close circle of friends. She was more comfortable at home in her room on her own than hanging out with friends in a crowded shopping mall. Fred would later describe Bung as being an old soul. However, Bung's face would light up when talking about her two passions in life, singing and dancing, especially to Justin Bieber and K-pop. She was such a big fan of K-pop that she was actually teaching herself Korean through courses online something her parents only discovered after her disappearance. Look, Bung sounded like an incredible girl that everyone was just drawn to, 
She was funny and goofy and smart and responsible. She was the perfect friend and student and the perfect daughter. Like most teens, Bung was active on social media, in particular Facebook, where she had several different accounts. But we will discuss that a bit later. But from my research, Bung and her sister were close and they didn't fight outside the usual sibling disagreements. Bung and her parents were close. She was especially close to her mother, Nid. Bung wasn't really interested in boys yet and she did not have a boyfriend. She really had no reason to run away from home or want to leave her home environment. Thursday, June 2nd, 2011. It was a typical school day for Bung. This is winter in Australia, so it was cold and rainy. Bung got dressed in her winter school uniform of a blue and white striped dress, dark blue raincoat, white socks and black Dunlop volley shoes. Bung would then have her breakfast of egg rice soup. Fred had just gotten home from his night shift at the factory and he was already asleep in the back room. So sometime between 8 and 8.25am, Bung would shout her goodbyes to her mother as she headed out the front door for her usual 10 minutes walk to school. Bung's route to school would take her east on Elsie Street, before a sharp right onto Albert Street. From here, it was a left onto Harcourt Road for half a block, and then a left onto Monroe Street. This is a dead-end street, but right at the end was the back gate into Baronia Heights College. This is a highly residential area, where there is usually dozens of children Bung's age walking to school. But unfortunately, on this day, it was raining and most of these kids were getting rides to school by their parents. Bang's friend Dynami would usually walk to school with her. The two would meet at the park at about the midpoint of their trip. They would share a snack and any gossip before making the rest of their journey together. Dynami's mother was driving her on that rainy Thursday morning but she stopped at the park to see if Bung wanted a ride as well, but they couldn't see her. Now, there were a couple of eyewitnesses that saw Bung on her walk that morning. A neighbour several houses down on Elsie Street saw Bung at around 8.30 with his dog barking at her through a closed window. And then we know that Bung made it to at least Harcourt Road because a witness places her here at 8.55. This is interesting, though, because we know the trip only takes 10 minutes, so she should have been at school no later than 8.35, 8.40. But here is the halfway point of her trip, and it's taken her half an hour. Why? What was she doing? If anything, you would think she would be in more of a hurry. Now, there is a chance that eyewitnesses are wrong. Maybe it wasn't Bung, or maybe they got their timing confused. Regardless, this second sighting would place her only 500 feet from the safety of the school grounds. Now, it is interesting that no one else reported seeing Bung that morning. I understand it was raining, but surely classmates and their parents in cars or people leaving for work. But besides those two eyewitness accounts, the second which may not even be her, 
that's all we have that police consider confirmed. What we do know for certain is that Bung did not make it to school that day. Think you know Disney Plus? Think again. This is not a drill. This is happening. We've got gripping action like original series The Old Man. This is not someone to underestimate. Epic drama like the all-new season of Grey's Anatomy. This is good. And iconic exclusives like the brand new season of The Kardashians. Did you know about this? Disney Plus is all this and more. <gasps> no. Yes. Thought you knew Disney Plus? Think again. All this plus more streaming this autumn. 18 plus subscription required. T's and C's apply. When the school day started and Bung wasn't there, the teachers thought it was strange. Again, she never missed school and she was never late. But the teachers wrote it off as Bung being sick. And because she loved school and wasn't known to have unexplained absences, Ned and Fred weren't contacted about Bung's absence. Now, it is now a requirement in Australia that if your child does not attend a school the school must notify the parents, generally within an hour of school starting. I googled and I googled, but I could not find when this was a mandatory requirement. My eldest child started school in 2015, and it was then. So in 2011, I don't know for sure. Regardless, Bung's family was not aware of her absence at the time, and in hindsight, it may have made all the difference. As we know, statistically, these initial hours after a child disappears can mean the difference between finding the child alive or never seeing them again. June 2nd, 2011, 3.40pm. This would be around the time Bung would normally arrive home. Now, as I previously mentioned, Bung was responsible and a homebody so it was almost unthinkable for her not to come home around that time. Ned started to get concerned, but tried to convince herself that maybe Bung got stuck at school or she was talking with friends. At 4pm, Danami called the Patterson home to speak to Bung. She missed her at school that day and didn't want Bung to forget the football practice they had the next day after school. This would be when Fred and Nid discovered that Bung was missing, and they reported her missing to the Knox Police Department. Fred and Nid would spend the night calling all of Bung's friends, desperately hoping that she was being rebellious and hiding out. But as the hours ticked by, the panic grew that something horrible had happened to their sweet 13-year-old daughter. Friday, June 3rd, 2011. Whilst the Knox Police Department started canvassing the area, investigators would spend hours knocking on neighbours' doors and poring over hours of CCTV footage taken from local businesses and public transport stations. Fred and Nid began handing out missing persons posters throughout Baronia. Fred took leave from work. Peng stopped her university studies. Their whole world stopped. Instead, the only thing that mattered was finding their beloved Bung. Fred would be the rock for the family. 
Nid and Pang struggled to even eat in their grief, so Fred bore the brunt of it. He faced the media for numerous interviews. He was fronting the search parties. He would be seen pounding the pavement and hanging posters in shop windows. Quote, we were walking around in circles in shock trying to cope. I was beside myself, but I had to be strong to support my wife and daughters. It would have been so easy to fall apart, but instinct kicked in. It was like, we've got to find her, what can we do? Unquote. Now, as missing child investigations go, police will always look into the family first. Historically, we know that when a child disappears, it is most likely by the hands of a family member or caretaker. In this instance, though, the family encouraged it. They wanted to be clear from suspicion as soon as possible, so no more time was wasted. The police searched the home thoroughly, even under the house, because they received a tip that Fred had been digging in the lead-up to Bung's disappearance. The family would be quickly cleared from suspicion, with police detective John Potter stating, quote, The family are grieving for their daughter. They are desperately in need for information. They are confident she will be okay and will be coming home, unquote. Investigators asked the family questions in regards to Bung's behaviour in the lead-up to her disappearance. But nothing stood out to Nid and Fred as being unusual. She was their normal and happy teenager. Because of this, police would never really consider Bung a runaway. Interestingly, a search of Bung's social media would uncover three Facebook accounts and a MySpace page that listed her age as 27. The police would go on a deep dive of these accounts, but nothing nefarious could be uncovered. There was no unsavoury conversations with anyone suspicious. This made it very unlikely she became a victim to an online predator. Another potential lead was quashed. It would be in the early weeks of the investigation that police came to the stark realisation that Bung had been abducted by most likely a stranger. They also began to accept that it was a real possibility that Bung may have been murdered. Police would search areas to the east of Barunia, in large parkland, forests and mountains in the Dandenong National Park. While these searches were taking place, other officers were combing through the hundreds of tips coming into the hotline. One tip would take investigators to a brothel in eastern Melbourne. The tipster reported seeing a young Asian girl matching the description of Bung working there. No further details have been released, besides police investigated the lead and it didn't go anywhere. Neither did the theory that Bung had been trafficked out of the country by her birth father back to Thailand. But despite the Australian Federal Police, our version of the FBI, reaching out to many international agencies, this lead didn't pan out either. There was no evidence that Bung had ever left Australian shores. Other sightings of Bung from the time she went missing would not be made public until years later. On the morning Bung went missing, about 15 minutes after she left home, 
a person reported seeing an early model white Ford Falcon at the intersection of Baronia and Forreston Roads. The driver was a Caucasian man in his 50s or 60s, with brown hair styled in a quote-unquote rock-and-roll-style hairstyle. He was wearing a blue singlet and he had colourful tattoos covering his arms. What stood out to the eyewitnesses odd was a young Asian girl looking at the back window of the vehicle. Now this could mean absolutely nothing, but it also could be a witness citing to Bung being abducted. The next sighting would be an hour later in Roeville, about 12 kilometres or 7.5 miles from Baronia. This sighting would involve another white vehicle with a different man and a young Asian girl. This eyewitness would report to police seeing a young Asian girl sitting in the front seat of a 1970s white Holden HQ Kingswood station wagon. The driver being described as being in his late 30s to early 40s, bald or with very short fair-coloured hair, with tattoos covering his neck and both arms. Now, for the record, investigators do not believe these sightings to be connected, and if they were, it would discredit the other two initial sightings, seeing Bung walking to school. But let's say what if. What if they were Bung? And given that eyewitness statements can be inaccurate, In my opinion, they're close enough to be the same. What if the two sightings are one and the same? And more terrifying, what if the girl is bung being abducted? Bung's disappearance would not be the only incident to spark fear into the residents of a normally quiet suburban area. Two other attempted abductions within a month of bung going missing would have police wondering if there was a potential serial abductor on their hands. On June 25, 2011, in the nearby suburb of Ringwood, which is only 10 kilometres or 6 miles from Baronia, a 16-year-old girl was walking home from school when she was stopped by a man driving a blue sedan. He would ask her if she wanted a ride and for her to get into his car. She refused he would drive ahead of her before stopping again. The teen then walked past the car, and the man got out and grabbed her from behind, trying to drag her into the car by her arm. This girl was a fighter. She screamed and scratched and clawed at him to get free. She ran off into the nearby bushes to hide. The man, obviously startled because of the attention this would have caused, he raced back to his car and drove off. The teen would later report to the police that she had never seen the man before and she would never see him again. She would describe him as being aged in his 50s or 60s with grey hair, rotted teeth, wearing dark clothing and having possibly a Southern European accent. The second attempted abduction would take place four days later, on June 29, 2011 in Baronia, only blocks away from where Bung was last seen. The girl was young at 11 years old, but the description given to the police matched that of the one from the previous abduction. Police thought they had the lead they needed, and the description was distributed widely to the media. Parents were on high alert, and the streets were void of any children. 
Unfortunately, only a week later, police were back where they started when the 11-year-old admitted to her parents that she had made up the whole abduction attempt. Detective Inspector John Potter would detail the frustrations to the media, quote, We have no description of an offender. It is not connected to any other abduction attempt. We have no vehicle description, and we have no sightings since the day she went missing. It's as though she has vanished into thin air, unquote. By August 2011, police had questioned more than 500 people and conducted dozens of thorough searches throughout Baronia and surrounding areas. A strike force was also formed, Task Force Puma, made up of 12 detectives working on the case full-time. Task Force Puma would be in charge of the investigation for two years before finally dismantling in October 2013. In its time, detectives investigated more than 250 sex offenders, searched over 100 homes, and collected almost 1,500 pieces of evidence. However, unfortunately, they seemed to be missing that one piece of evidence that would lead them to the whereabouts of Bung and what happened to her. Unfortunately, it was the detectives' belief that Bung was no longer alive. Quote, We are probably in the space where we are fearing the worse. Unquote. It wouldn't be until March 2012, nine months after Bung was last seen, that investigators received the tip they were waiting for. The details of this call has never been revealed. However, they considered it so valuable that they would make a public plea to the caller to again make contact. From my research, it does not appear that they ever did, and if they did, the police did choose to keep that information to themselves. After more than two years, homicide detectives have been led to this area of parkland in their search for Bung Siraboon. But police won't say exactly what it is they're looking for. We've already done a media release. That's where it stands. Nothing else will be said at this stage. Inside the fenced-off perimeter of the old Joes Creek Reserve, police search and rescue teams and SES volunteers scoured the dirt tracks. The dog squad and an excavator sent in to help. There's always been false hope that something's come up and then nothing's come of it, but this is the first time I think something big to this size has happened. So, yeah, it's, uh, hopefully it's not the news we've been dreading. The case would sadly go cold after this. That would be until the end of August 2012, when a 24-year-old man would confess to murdering Bung. This man alleged that he hit Bung with his car in the morning she went missing, killing her instantly. He would dispose of her body at a local reserve. Police would go with him to this reserve, but no evidence that Bung was ever there could be found. Police also seized the man's car to forensically examine it, but again nothing could be found. This man would be interviewed, arrested and then released twice due to lack of evidence. Police have publicly announced that they doubt the man's confession, but consider him to be a person of interest. Several other persons of interest have emerged over the years, one being a serial killer from the 1990s. Robert Keith Knight was a sex offender, who lived in Baronia when Bung went missing. 
Knight was arrested for several sexual assault charges in 1997, and because of this, he would serve a lengthy term in prison. He would be released in 2009. Not much is known of Knight's movements for the next four years. Knight resurfaced in 2013 when he was arrested on child pornography charges. In all, more than 10,000 images were found in Knight's possession. Knight was considered a suspect in Bung's disappearance. He was 60 at the time and he drove a white Ford Maverick. And this matches the eyewitness description with the young Asian girl in the back. However, police had cleared him of all suspicion, for reasons I couldn't find in my research. If Knight was responsible, well, we will never know. Knight committed suicide soon after his arrest on the child pornography charges by jumping from an upper floor of the remand centre he was being held at most likely because he knew he was never going to get out of prison and the welcome that would be waiting for him from the other inmates. Given his age, I don't think he would have survived. The next suspect has been mentioned by the Unresolved podcast in particular, but also some other podcasts and blogs covering this case, so we thought it was worth mentioning here as well. And that is Gregory Keith Davis. He, like Knight, was a violent sex offender that lived nearby at the time of Bung's disappearance. And he, like Knight, had a period of time around the time Bung went missing that we don't know his movements and what heinous crimes he was committing. Davis had a long history of violent sex crimes against children – In 1970, Davis raped a 14-year-old girl and then bludgeoned her with a hammer and left her to die. She was a fighter, though, and survived the attack. Davis would be acquitted on the attempted murder charges because of reasons of insanity. He would only be released a couple of years when he was again the prime suspect of another violent crime. We will not go much into this case because it is a highly requested one for us to cover in the near future. But on November 6, 1984, six-year-old Kylie Mabry was on her way home from buying a bag of sugar for her mother when she was abducted. Her body would later be found in a gutter. She had been drugged, raped and then suffocated before being dumped. This case would be one of the saddest you will ever hear. So much tragedy for one family. Unfortunately, Kylie's grandfather would suicide after being accused of murdering her. Her mother struggled with her mental health and substance abuse, unable to deal with her grief. Davis would be in and out of prison on sexual assault charges against as many as six other young girls until 2016. This would be when Davis would finally have his DNA taken and compared to the semen found on Kylie. He would receive a minimum sentence of 28 years, which honestly is never enough given he has taken an innocent child's life and destroyed a family, several families with his crimes. The only saving grace is that given his age being in his 70s at the time of his sentence, he will almost certainly die in prison. Davis may be a worthy suspect, 
He, like Knight, drove a white Holden at the time Bung went missing. He was also in his 60s. Both traits of the suspect, the eyewitnesses reported seeing with the young Asian girl. Finally, Bung has been linked to a known serial predator that terrorised Melbourneian suburbs in the 1990s. A predator nicknamed by the media as Mr Cruel. Again, we won't go into too much information as we will cover this case at a later stage. The first abduction tied to this horrific psychopath was in 1988 in Ringwood. A man broke into a family home, threatened the parents with the gun and knife, before tying them up and forcing them into a wardrobe. He tied the family's son to a bed. He would then abduct 10-year-old Sharon Wills and hold her captive for 18 hours. She would be found in the grounds of a nearby school. The next victim would be in 1990 in Canterbury. He broke into the family home and cut the phone lines. He would gag 13-year-old Nicola Lyons, taping her eyes shut. He would take her and hold her captive for 50 hours, sexually assaulting her numerous times, before leaving her at a power station. The final case related to Mr Cruel is one that differs somewhat. It would be the only murder that is attributed to him, or thought to be anyway, due to the M.O. 1991 Templestowe, at the home of a prominent Asian family, the Chans. 13-year-old Carmen Chan was babysitting her younger siblings when an unknown man wearing a balaclava broke into the home with a knife. Carmen's little sisters were placed into a cupboard, and Carmen was abducted. Her body would not be found until a year later. She was murdered by gunshot to the head, execution style. Given the length of time, though, between the last Mr Cruel case in 1991 to Bung's abduction in 2011, it seems unlikely Mr Cruel was involved and the detectives that worked in Task Force Puma tend to agree with me, quote, I don't personally think it's related, but we certainly wouldn't write it off, unquote. The messages surrounding this case have been confusing. Police have now ruled out connections between an attempted abduction in Ringwood and a sexual assault in Clayton. They've also ruled out a link to the murder of schoolgirl Carmen Chan in 1991. Do you have any suspects? We don't have suspects, and that's another difficulty of this case. Often you have to create your own work. We've done that by looking at the sex offenders register, and in particular those people that live in the eastern suburbs. Have the homes of, for example, the sex offenders you mentioned been searched? Yes, they have. Uh, Unfortunately, that hasn't produced any evidence for us in this case. Do you accept that there is a child abductor out there, possibly targeting more children. I can't discount that fact. Is it likely that Bung has been murdered? Well, unfortunately, that cannot be ruled out. And indeed, we're treating this as a suspicious missing person, meaning that that's a real possibility. Bung's sister Pang would graduate university in Australia, but has since moved away. Several of Bung's closest friends struggled with depression and anxiety following their friend's disappearance. 
they would move interstate or change schools. Nid struggled with her grief and the constant reminder of a daughter lost. She would return to Thailand six months after Bung's disappearance. Fred and Nid would remain married, and he lived his life between two countries. Fred is determined to remain in the same garden-lined home in the hope that his beloved daughter would come home. Quote, We still hope and believe she's alive. We have to. There is no evidence otherwise. It's a feeling in our hearts. Unquote. We are now at 2021, a whole decade since Bung has last been seen. Her family have missed out on so many milestones, finishing high school and graduating university, starting her career, falling in love and maybe experiencing heartbreak. Maybe Bung would be married now. Maybe she would have a child of her own. Unfortunately, she will forever be the sweet K-pop singing Justin Bieber fan, hilariously funny 13-year-old, forever trapped, and a family robbed of a lifetime of happy memories. Siracon Siraboon, or Bung as she was affectionately known as, was 13 years old at the time of her disappearance. She was of Asian appearance, five foot to 154 centimetres tall, of petite build. She had long dark hair and brown eyes. Bung was last seen wearing a blue and white striped white uniform dress, dark blue raincoat, white socks and black Dunlop volley shoes. If Bung is still alive today, she would be 23 years old. There is currently a $1 million reward and the possibility of immunity from prosecution for any information leading to Bung's whereabouts and the apprehension of her abductor. If you have any information regarding the disappearance of Bung Siraboon, please contact Crime Stoppers on 1800 300 000. If you have your own thoughts on the case we discussed today or any case we talk about on Stolen Lives, please search Stolen Lives on Facebook. Like the page so you don't miss any episode and join the discussion group to share your ideas and theories. You can talk to us on Twitter, search lives underscore stolen, and on Instagram, Stolen Lives Podcast. If you like what you heard today, please share on your social media of choice and rate, review and subscribe on iTunes or your favourite podcast app. We are now on Patreon, so if you are able, please become a patron for as little as $2 a month for early release, ad-free episodes and exclusive content. Thank you to our newest patrons, Olive, Crystal and Mary M. We really appreciate your support. This week's episode... Research, scriptwriting, hosting and production is by me, Ali. Music is by Mayu. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. 
CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.